before you even tell me I need this person, maybe I should already know that you will need this person. So what we first started off with is a strategic planning and talent pipelining. So we first understand, okay, what is the vision of the organization? What is the growth plan of the organization? So we sit very closely with the C-level. In a lot of organizations, it's reactive. We're actually proactive in our approach. So we know what our delivery is going to be over the next year because we know how the business is going to develop over the next year. It's not just a spreadsheet that's shared with us and here, can you hire? It's like, hey, this is the direction we're going to go. What, what do you think first? Hello, my name is Luke Eaton and welcome to Seeds Scaling So Far podcast. Uh, in this episode, we've got a really interesting conversation lined up with you. Uh, this company pretty much doesn't need any introduction for most listeners. I've been a fan and a user for multiple years. Um, I can honestly say it's kept me alive a couple of times. Uh, I'm talking about HelloFresh. Um, let me show some highlights before we get into the conversation. Um, they were founded in 2011 uh, in one of Europe's most vibrant tech hubs in Berlin. They've evolved to become the world's leading meal kit company. In Q3 of 2021 alone, they delivered 227 million meals. Uh, the recruitment profile for this organization is enormous from software developers and DevOps engineers right the way through to pasta makers and potato farmers. Uh, they've got a team of 20,000 employees globally. So at scale like that, they need a very well-oiled, very efficient talent acquisition engine. And that's exactly what they built. Um, I was lucky enough to speak to their global VP of talent, Yasser Ahmad, and their global head of TA, Carol Vega, to learn a little bit about how they doubled their productivity with what they called TA 4.0. It's an absolute must listen if you are looking to optimize the hiring process in your own organization and gearing up for really, really hyper growth. Please give it a listen and I hope you enjoy. Thank you very much for coming on to the Scaling So Far podcast. Really, really appreciate it. I've been super excited to chat to HelloFresh ever since I heard that you said yes to the podcast. So thanks so much. Before we get into introductions, I, I suppose I should thank HelloFresh. Uh, I would be a very malnourished man if it wasn't for HelloFresh. So thanks for keeping us alive. Really appreciate that. Um, but we, we've got uh, Yasser Ahmad and we've got Carol uh, Vega from HelloFresh here to talk to us about uh, the talent journey uh, so far. Uh, Yasser, how about we start with you? Like, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, so... I've been with HelloFresh for the last seven months. Uh, my role is the Global Vice President of Talent. Um, very impressed with HelloFresh thus far and you know, kind of helping transform their TA function. But my background really is kind of focused on talent transformation over the last 10 years. Uh, prior to that, was heavily involved in project management as a scrum master and working you know, for various different companies. So um, finding that we're in a, a unique position right now with HelloFresh. Um, you know, you said that you you would have been a malnourished person. Mm -hmm. You know, last I was just thinking about and speaking to one of my colleagues. We delivered one billion meals last year. Um, so it's not just you; it'd be like a good couple, 10, 20 million people <laughs> would be very malnourished. Uh, but yeah, uh, so that's me. Uh, Hand over to Carol. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, Locke. Thanks for having us. Um, a little bit about my background. I actually come from psychology studies from Brazil. Never really wanted to go into 
the clinic, I always liked business. A fun fact about me is that I wanted to be the CEO of Coca-Cola by the age of 28. Slightly behind, but I'll get there. Um, but anyhow, I've been with HelloFresh a little bit longer, four years. Joined in a very different stage. Um, smaller company, less market. So it's been amazing just to see the company grow so much. My role is as global heads of talent acquisition for tech hiring. So I lead the team across Australia, North America, and Europe, and anything related to tech, um, we're responsible for hiring and staffing those teams. Okay, fantastic. It's great to have sort of two professionals sort of bookended on one side of the journey, the beginning of the journey, and, and the current sort of part of the journey. Um, I suppose just in case there is two or three people who live under a rock and don't know about HelloFresh, because um, I'd really love to dig into the sort of that 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 scaling journey but before we do like Yasa maybe could you give us an idea of HelloFresh's current mission as it stands yeah we want to help people live a healthier lifestyle and eat healthier we want to mm -hmm. become we're a global food solutions company right so we've I think last year we doubled in size we're now like 20,000 employees with wow. 25,000 external partners, $6 billion in revenue. So we're actually quite big. Uh, a lot of people seem to think that we're quite a small organization. Uh, like if you think of HelloFresh, you usually think of like a local brand. A lot of people think it's, you know, if you're in the UK, they'll think it's a UK company. If you're in Canada, they think it's a Canadian company. If it's the US, but actually it's a, it's, um, a German company uh, based and kind of founded in Berlin. And kind of grown across 17 different markets. Um, it's a really interesting company because sustainability is at the, the purpose of the company and a healthier lifestyle. So um, there's a lot of strong values that we have as a business that kind of are very empathetic and very ethical. Um, and that's why I think we're really succeeding because people are now realizing that actually there is a healthier way to live. It is we do waste a lot and we need to protect our, we need to protect the world, right? It's, you know, carbon emissions are at all time high um, and, you know, offsetting carbon emissions, et cetera, is all well and good, but you really, if you can prevent it from happening in the first place, that's probably the best thing to do, right? And we waste so much food mm -hmm. on a general basis, like every day. And I've got three kids, so I know how much food I waste. Um, and, you know, when I started working for HelloFresh, I started to realize actually like this company is game changing because, you know, simple things that we take for granted, like a loaf of bread, it takes a lot to make a loaf of bread, you know, mm. you know, from growing it to harvesting it, to making it, to packaging it, putting it in the uh, supermarkets and then taking it home. That's a like you probably spent good more money than the actual bread itself. So that's my take on HelloFresh and why I think it's a, like growing significantly. I think purpose has become very important for people. COVID obviously helps a lot. I think every e-commerce business has gained a lot from COVID because of the travel restrictions and people being a bit more conscious about their health. And also just generally, it's quite hard to cook in the evenings, right? You know, one of the first things I said to Carol is like, when I joined HelloFresh, I'm really grateful because this has stopped me arguing and arguing with my wife because I no longer argue with my wife about what I'm going to have for dinner. So, I've, you know, I've got so much choice now. So that's the nice thing, I think, about HelloFresh. Like, there's so many beneficial things around, like, the company and what it does. I think so many more consumers are making choices based on those, as you mentioned, purpose 
rather than just how practical or convenient something is. Something has to have the relevant purpose. And of course, how we use our diet is 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 probably one of the biggest part of our carbon footprints is our diet. So I can really see how you get such a, a large footprint for such a an organization that seems so small and uh, you know it just has a small footprint take out your phone you know it's such an easy way to to interact with a business and i can kind of see why it seems like a smaller business than it actually is um and carolina like maybe you can take us kind of back in time you you've been with hello fresh since 2018 so how does that purpose contrast to when you first started what did what did that look like and maybe we can kind of fill in the gaps in between yeah, so the purpose hasn't changed, and when I joined, it hasn't changed yet, right? So we still want to change the way people eat, and we still want to be sustainable. And this has been a high topic for HelloFresh since I joined, and that's one of the greatest things that the company is not selling out on the soul; it's just sticking to what it believes is true. Mm-hmm. Of course, what changes is understanding better the market, expanding the market and trying to make more personalized products for the customer. So when I started, it was basically dinner, right? Right now we are we have dinner, we have add-ons, we have desserts. And ideally, we will take over your entire meals during the day. So we've expanded a lot more our portfolio, our markets, our customer base, but we still stayed very much true to changing the way people eat, uh, being sustainable, bringing fun to the kitchen, right? Keep, Cooking doesn't need to be boring, doesn't need to be uh, stressful. It can be simple, it can be fun. So I think that has stayed quite the same, which I highly appreciate, to be honest. But the company, of course, grew tremendously. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the piece I really want to dig into, the the meaty bits for us recruiters, right? Um, Like, how how has that growth impacted your talent planning? I'm I'm assuming that it's tech-enabled, so there must be heavily tech uh, a heavy tech pipeline, but you must have manufacturing, distribution. It's almost like three, four, five different talent functions all in one company. So how how is that? What were those challenges like, and, and how you how are you solving for those? Since I started, the productivity has been like two hundred times, two hundred percent more. So we've like double productivity. We're like a hundred percent better on our KPIs and. Um, a lot of other things, but I think the main difference is that when we start and when you're a smaller company, a team of recruiters will do, right? So you have a team, 360 recruiters doing mostly everything, and right now we're so much more specialized, right? So um, it's very different when you have 50 people to hire in a year, 100, 200, 1K, 2K. So the different functions, new teams are born. Right, so teams that we didn't have before, site reliability, DevOps, security, all these teams have been built from scratch, mobile first teams. So when you think about the specialities of the people we're hiring, TA needs to follow with that, right? So we need to be more specialized in TA. So I think the beauty is that we've managed to create new functions for the business, but new functions for TA as well. So that's the main thing that has changed, is the level of professionalism and like playing on the big leagues right now. Mm. Yeah. So those kind of specialized teams were, so do your recruiters have kind of a deeper specialized knowledge in, so for instance, your site reliability and DevOps. I mean, do they, do you hire recruiters who know that market in particular and say, right, they're going to be DevOps recruiters for HelloFresh? 
or is there a kind of a level of knowledge sharing and knowledge building within within the business how does how does that work it's both right so first of all you want to hire great recruiters mm. right? the skill set is more important ideally the person is willing to learn and we have so much knowledge sharing between ourselves and TA, with our hiring managers, with our hiring teams. So nowadays we can bring up to speed a recruiter that has never hired for tech to delivering a DevOps role within like two to four weeks, right? So we have a really strong onboarding program and knowledge sharing sessions. And ideally for you to become a rounded recruiter, you also work with a certain team and specialities for a time and then you change. So I want the, the team that join us when they leave HelloFresh, that they're way better recruiters, that they know how to recruit for different markets. Mm. But on top of that, it's not just about talent acquisition <coughs> partners and recruiters, it's also about talent engagement partners, talent marketing, employer branding, yeah. candidate experience, talent intelligence, talent marketing. Um, so you also create more specialities outside of just understanding how to hire for specific roles. That's really interesting. It's something, it's a commonality we see across a lot of scaling businesses that we work with um, that need to, to specialize to engage with these much more passive in-demand uh, in demand people. Um, I'm a huge DevOps, lean, Phoenix project nerd. And when you said 200% productivity increase, I kind of got really excited. Um, like what, what kind of tools? There must have been changes in the way that you look at data, the way that you use tools. Uh, to to enable that kind of increase could you go a bit more into detail around around that do you use data visualization do you use you know ways of getting insight from the data that you have we can both try to answer yeah. this right because it's about change management as a whole it's not like the changes that we've seen today are uh, an amalgamation of different micro changes that we've made in our ta team so the first is we evaluated what our maturity is off our TA team. So where do we stand as a function, whether it's recruiting, the processes, the interview process, the tools we use, the reporting, everything. Then we deep dive into it from a customer-centric perspective. As a customer, your, your focus is time to start, not time to hire, not time to fill. So it's like, how quickly can you get me, my person, to join the organization, right? That's essentially what it is. But a lot of people forget there's a lot of pre-planning that needs to go into it. So before you even tell me I need this person, maybe I should already know that you will need this person. So what we first started off with is a strategic planning and talent pipelining. So we first understand, okay, what is the vision of the organization? And what is the growth plan of the organization? So we sit very closely with the C-level. In a lot of organizations, it's reactive. We're actually proactive in our approach. So we know what our delivery is going to be over the next year because we know how the business is going to develop over the next year. It's not just a spreadsheet that's shared with us and here can you hire. It's like, hey, this is the direction we're going to go. What, what do you think first? Is it, is it feasible? Does it make sense? Are there skills in the marketplace that we can actually attract? Or do we need to shift this way and that way? Actually, the decisions that are made today for HelloFresh are in collaboration with the TA team. And if you think about it, if we're going to go down the route of building a product that requires specific languages, Go or something like that, the, 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 the organization needs to work with us to understand if it's even feasible first. So that's step one. Step two was to break up the responsibilities. Traditionally, like Carol said, it was a 360 role for a recruiter. But actually to build on 
uh, a proper maturity model is like a supply chain, similar to how we create our products. It has a supply chain, it's like a factory line. You yes. want specialists in each area of the process, from the candidate experience specialist to focus on the kind of candidate engagement, the touch points, the recruiter who can liaise with the managers and the candidates on the kind of packages. You've got the sources and the talent engagement partners and the, the employer branding specialist. So we broke up a lot of responsibilities. The other is motivation. Like motivation in the TA team is at an all-time high. We don't have a problem. While the whole industry was struggling to hire recruiters, we didn't. Mm -hmm. We scaled our team by nearly 3x mm -hmm. in the space of like four months. So we've hired recruiters across the board and we hire for potential because what we're planning on doing this year is something that I haven't seen before. You know, our coordinators, we don't want them to be a coordinator function in two years. We're transforming them into a talent intelligence function, but by creating multiple competencies in their existing role. So our coordinators today do coordination, talent intelligence, and candidate experience projects to improve product. Our sources do sourcing, talent engagement, and employer branding and EVP projects so that they're multi-skills. So by the time we get to a stage where we can automate, we are in a position where these individuals have already got skill sets for the next level of their career. So there's a proper career path. And that leads to like a really high morale mm -hmm. in the team that leads to high motivation, which naturally means that our productivity is going to increase. And so 200 to, to Carol's credit, her team delivered 250%. What that means is, you know, they, let's say they targeted 250 roles, they hired 500. Mm. 600 or you know and so in in the shortest space of time you can imagine you know we're talking about going from 30 hires a month to 90 to 100 right and, and in the space of like three months that's absolutely exceptional and you know if you, if you a lot of the businesses that we work with are in these sort of hyperscale 5x hyperscale you know 100 year on year revenue you know growth um, targets for the next four years and, and, and various other scurry numbers. Um, the fact that you can improve the organization of your talent function and see it as a more of a holistic piece of a, of a wider growing business, I think is absolutely key. Even workforce planning, right? If you know where the gaps are going to be, well, surely we should be hiring into those internally and then backfilling the more junior roles reducing cost per hire and time to hire and, and so on. And again, as you say, without that, with that reactive piece, just you can't do that. Um, I'm, I'm super excited about that. I, I could talk about this for the next two hours. <laughs> just to kind of add to that point, it's so important and it's been so much, it's so detrimental to our success that because we have been so good at doing this, yesterday I had a conversation with our CTO and our VP of product where they said, you're hiring too fast. Wow. Can you slow down? Um, or can we put some roles on hold? Because we haven't got, we, we didn't plan that we, like the hiring is six months ahead. So I think we're in a position where people are joining HelloFresh because they're excited about HelloFresh. They know that it's a purpose-driven company. They'd much rather join us than go to any of the fan companies because there's more purpose, right? It's more sustainable. There is a better environment that ethos is better, et cetera. So I think that to the credit of our C-level and our leadership um, has kind of stayed true for a long time. So yeah. I think also when you talk about hyper growth, you can distinguish the companies that are serious about it when the founders and the C-level 
understand is a high priority. And it also ca cascades down to the team, right? So there is not a single team at HelloFresh that's not hiring. So everyone has a shared understanding of the importance, right? So we come from being like a function that just deliver hires to being very strategic. So we have discussions on workforce planning, staff planning with HR and with the executive team. What's the right balance between juniors and seniors? How much leaders do we need? What's the level? What should be their job descriptions, their role and responsibilities? So we are involved on in these discussions, right? So we just don't receive information. We're involved firsthand. And because of that, we can know, okay, if we hire this team right now and this type of talents in three years time, where are they gonna be? And how can we plan for that already, right? Yeah. So we can plan long-term, what kind of talent do we need now, next year, the year to follow, and how the talent is gonna grow in the company. Yeah, and to, to the team's credit as well, um, there was two, there's a changing perspective on the TA function. So previously it was, hey, we've got a TA function, right? Now it's, hey, we've got 20,000 recruiters because employee advocacy is number one, like it will help us tremendously. And that's what's really been the kind of change management in the leadership where they're kind of kind of really focused on, okay, we can utilize everyone. Recruitment is not TA function. Recruitment is everybody's responsibility to stay true to the organization, the EVP, and make sure people actually get a true insight into what HelloFresh is like working for, you know, People are getting messages every single day, 15 messages a day. Hey, do you want a job as a software engineer, software engineer, software manager? Berlin, like you're probably getting 10 messages a day from different people. But if you get a message from a friend who says, hey, by the way, do you want to come over to HelloFresh for cooking some meals? You can talk to the engineering team and understand what's going on as well. You might be more inclined. Absolutely. And you know, that's one of the sort of pieces I was keen to dig into after the, the growth stuff was you've got yourself a very large, very positive consumer brand. Uh, and then you have this sort of smaller tech enabled piece of your business and that I'm sure you have a kind of technical employer brand. How do you link that up? How do you get engineers who have, you know, the 10 of those, of those messages could be four fintechs, two crypto companies, two AI companies. And it's easy for an engineer to say, oh, I see where the problem space is. I see what I'm going to do. How do you integrate the kind of the commercial brand with the, the employer brand i'll just take a stab at this so you know you can go work for a facebook and go work for six months on a little red light that's in the corner of the screen <laughs> probably have to try to fix or you could come to HelloFresh and you could solve big sustainable problems and challenges about how we can shrink the time of our supply chain how we can mm -hmm. offset carbon emissions how we could look at in like billions of data points on how people consume food and try to kind of create a unique path for that. And I think for us, anybody who sits in a room with us and understands our problem statements, they're already bought in 100% of the time because it's such a unique problem statement. There's so much opportunity to understand consumerism and consumerism has been around for you know, since the beginning of time, right? We, we've all consumed stuff. So how people consume stuff, the, the, the trends, analyzing it, and the kind of prediction of that is super interesting for anybody in engineering because you're using most of the, the 
the latest technology, AI, ML, data science, you're using engineering tools to kind of really take it to the next level. Most companies are doing this to some degree for their own benefit, like you work for an Instagram, it's to make you consume more Instagram, right? You work for a Facebook, it's to make you stuck on Facebook so they can sell you more brand. Whereas you work for HelloFresh, we're doing it because we want to help people consume uh, healthier and less in terms of wastage. So it's for a better cause. And I think that if people are purpose-driven, that's what those are the type of people we want to hire, people that actually want to change the world instead of just kind of feeding into um, something that I personally, and it's my personal opinion, I'm not like, I'm not a big fan of social media, right? Uh, I just think that as a father and someone who sees what consumerism does, especially in social media, like I'm not, I'm kind of almost against it to some degree. Uh, I know it's benefits, but, and I think that's what a lot of people are now realizing over time that actually we need to take a step back and actually focus on, we have so much choice. Yeah. So if we have so much choice, why can't I choose where I work as well? Yeah. I think that's, uh, it, it seems so linked up with your wider employer brand, the fact that there's a kind of a conviction base to to what you're doing, you have a purpose, and then people, humans with convictions that happen to be software developers are going to be attracted to, to that brand. Something so similar happened during COVID where the digital services for healthcare companies exploded, you know, because the, there were a lot of developers saying, there's a problem, there's a global problem here. And, and I have personal friends who have moved from like cloud infrastructure companies to the NHS. And they would yeah. never have done that if it wasn't for the purpose, right? The, 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 that conviction that they have. Um, that, that's really interesting. And I, I suppose that the both of you using both come from pretty interesting backgrounds. Um, th this seems to be really very the tip of the spear when it comes to sort of the way you create productivity and, and, and in, in talent acquisition, but it must have come from somewhere. So um, I know you, I know um, Yasser, you were previously at Zolando and uh, uh, doing uh, DNI pieces in, in, in Wipro Digital and whatnot. Like, could you tell us a little bit about what you learned during that experience, those experiences to kind of get you to where you are just now? Yeah, sure. So. Wipro was an interesting organization. We grew up from 130,000 employees to 170,000 employees. And now I think it's at 230,000 employees from 34 countries to 72 countries. So, you know, the, the organization was huge um, to some degree compared to most. Um, the hiring was at scale and it was intense. And because it was a consultancy, it meant that it was driven by um, customers. So, you know, demand would come in, a project would be won, and we need to deliver yesterday. So the sense of urgency that I've got and the understanding of how we identify talent and pre-identify talent has always come from the consulting background I had in terms of like identifying markets, identifying talent trends, identifying what potentially could come up and say, okay, well, we know that we're bidding for X, Y, and Z, so we should probably start building talent pipelines in cloud if we're gonna do a cloud project with Santander or something. So the prediction models that we create in Wipro have really helped me now in like Zalando and uh, HelloFresh, right? So Wipro, most people don't know this, 75% of the, the, the owner's equity was given to a charity. So $20 billion plus given to a charity, 
So every single, of every pound made, 75p goes to charity. And then you've got places like Zalando, which are at the forefront of e-commerce fashion, kind of becoming the starting point for fashion, where they're really kind of trying to innovate and work out how can they take fashion uh, shopping to the next level and become extremely sustainable at the same time. So, you know, secondhand clothing, buying stuff. So there's been a trend in terms of like my work history and making sure I work for sustainable companies. And obviously I found a home now at HelloFresh, which I think is probably the best place. But in terms of the objectives, each company is trying to achieve something that has helped me achieve my milestones. So for, for Wipro, it was about being super predictive about what we're going to hire. For Zalando, it was about enticing and attracting people, making sure we have the right supply chain in recruitment so we can hire fast and we can hire the right quality talent. And now at HelloFresh, um, we're doing both. We're predicting talent. We're also hiring high quality, uh, hiring for potential, and we're hiring a lot around diversity. So that's kind of helped me over the last like six, seven years from my personal side of things. And a lot of what we're doing today is the... 10th iteration of what I would have done in the past. So, um, you know, some copying and pasting, and then we also have a lot of innovation we're doing, which we can talk briefly about, but um, we're gonna try to keep it close to our chest because you'll see more of it in the next couple of months. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm taking as many notes as uh, hopefully some of our founders and listeners and, 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 uh, and viewers uh, are. Um, and uh, Carol, so you've come from ThoughtWorks, massive brand for that product-centric mindset so could you tell me a little bit about your learnings like on on your journey from from there to to, to have a fresh yeah of course i think i was thinking about it and the first thing that comes to mind is everything you do should be revolving around talent right it's about the person it's about their skills so and it's about the hiring managers about the clients so as always, the biggest thing you learn is that you have a group of people doing something to help other people, right? So you try to look for the right talents and you focus on that skill set. Of course, ThoughtWorks is huge in technology, right? So you learn very quickly what good looks like. You learn very quickly what a highly skilled engineer should look like, what is the trends and for example, ThoughtWorks with their technology radar and multiple companies following it. So you're always ahead of the market. And that for me has been like a great learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always praised companies who are up to date in whatever they're doing, in whatever function. I always appreciate it when you're ahead of the market. And HelloFresh does it as well. I think HelloFresh is one of the companies that I worked after ThoughtWorks that I understood, okay, the criteria here is as high as the work, so I can work here. And it's also mass hiring. So this is something that I've learned a lot. Um, Another thing that I've learned is just to really understand what the business wants, right? I think a lot of talent acquisition teams, they're more focused on building a process, documenting, um, and what you should be doing partnering with the business. So when you work at a consultancy and the client is paying for that talent, Right, so you need to find the best one and you need to find a solution to hire them fast because if you don't have people staffed, they're not making money. It's not a product company, right? You need people in the business in order to grow. You only make money if your talent is growing. It's more skilled 
and if you have more of that, if you're launching new new regions. So this fast pace and hiring people quickly, finding very creative solutions. Like I was doing hiring days and express recruitment back in like 2010, right? Yeah. Traveling across Brazil, opening new offices. So the sense of urgency combined with volume is something that I've learned very early and we used a lot HelloFresh. So one of the reasons why I joined HelloFresh is that I knew it was a high bar and I knew it was a lot of volume to hire as well. Uh, and then the other piece similar to Yasar is the culture and values aspect. So ThoughtWorks has a whole pillar on social justice and this has always been close to my heart. Diversity, respecting people, creating opportunities for everyone. So I've tried to work in companies that also share this, smaller or big. Um, and HelloFresh is also at the top of it. So one of our three strategy pillars at Tant Acquisition is diversity, for example. And HelloFresh is a whole structure of making people feel welcome, creating programs for people to grow in their careers, to become leaders. Um, yeah, so I think this is like a lot of what I took from Flowers and previous companies as well. It's really interesting. You know, there's, there's such brands that have quality at their core um, and uh, you, you always take a lot from organizations like that and take them forward. Um, I, I want to kind of stick on the diversity piece because so, you know, it is a, it's a key plank of our organization <clears throat> and mostly organizations that, that are out there talk about diversity uh, and then there's organizations that you know act you know, with those kind of values in mind you know some organizations it's words on the website and other organizations it really is at the foundation of, of what they do and understand why diverse teams um you know are, are better for everyone so it's always good to have, get some practical tips around diversity and inclusion not, not just high level stuff but how you know what what does that pillar look like in practice how, how do you go about building nurturing diverse groups and and, and teams to so look, first, there's no secret to what would make uh, how diversity works or what what is required to make a diversity or a diverse organization. You know, the first thing is that as an organization, you need to be inclusive, right? And to be inclusive, a lot of companies are out there saying, hey, we're amazing at diversity or we do this or we've got this initiative. Really and truly, like underrepresented folks just want to know the truth. They want to know where you suck. What's not so good at your company and what are you trying to fix? So I think one thing I like about what we're doing here is we're not trying to pretend we're an amazing company. We've got problems to fix. That's why we want you to join us. We know that our diversity is not so great at certain levels and we need to fix that. That's why we want you to join us, to help us fix the mindset in our organization because we've got the purpose, we've got the vision, we've got the urgency, we've got the sustainability. What we need is more diverse thoughts. And, you know, I think the industry as a whole is changing and diversity hasn't been something new for HelloFresh. It's been at the pillar from day one. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what's super important here is that if you're trying to attract people, you need to be authentic and honest about what you're trying to achieve here. And I think for us, fortunately, we've attracted a lot of diverse underrepresented folks. We haven't tried to make them, you know, the token uh, employees by putting them up on the website and the career page and everything else. We could easily do that. And we could say, yeah, we're really diverse. And then the reality is very different. But the, the truth is you come to our organization and it is just very diverse. You've got multiple, multiple different uh, nationalities, uh, people that uh, 
recognize themselves as different pronouns and et cetera, et cetera. Like, uh, you know, I don't want to get into the, 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 the demographics per se. My advice to any organization is first, make sure your leadership is open, uh, uh, is aligned with what they're about, uh, what they're willing to be open about, where the mistakes are first. Because if you can go on a job description and you can write there, we need help with diversity, we suck at diversity, but we're willing to listen, that's the first step. And I think listening is the first step to anything, right? Uh, there's a famous saying, I'll probably misquote it. It's a South African apartheid statement um, where it says, nothing for us without us is for us. And it's like, you know, you can't build something, a diverse function without talking to underrepresented groups and being honest with them. So I think that's number one. Uh, number two is making sure your processes are aligned so for example we are very conscious when we think about neurodiversity to not ask someone to come and sit in a room where maybe if they've got adhd they'd like traffic behind them and they're just getting distracted right mm -hmm. so there's also about being aware and consciousness so it's a huge amount of training that goes into what we're doing we're just launching our license to hire which is about stopping hiring managers saying hey you can't hire until you've trained on x y and z and then you get a license to hire Right, and that was an adaption of uh, a friend of mine, Kevin Blair, who previously worked at IBM. He was a vice president there, and he kind of told me about it. And I loved the idea, and I'm just sharing it. It's not an original thought, but you know, it's something that organisations need to do. Um, and then, then you got around the transparency around well, the role expectations and the potential. You know, a lot of the time we look at job descriptions that we need someone who fits that. But actually, if you hire someone who fits 80%, what is the return of investment? It's actually 120% because you're getting more. You're getting more and you're getting someone who's committed and you're getting the long-term effects of it, right? It's like, it's like going to the gym. After one day, you're not going to get a six-pack. But after a year, maybe you might, right? Same with employees with potential. You might not get everything you want initially, but you'll get a lot more in the long run. And I think that's something that organizations need to recognize when it comes to talent holistically, whether it's diverse talent or non diverse. There's no such thing as non diverse talent anyway. You know, everybody's unique in their own way. Everybody's got a story, everybody's got a background. And I think that's also something we have to factor in. I think a lot of companies who focus a lot on the strong facing, as Yasser said, but the most important thing is like staying true inside and being welcoming and respecting and offering people opportunities. I think that speaks a lot. Um, and if your company inside is like that, it's just a matter of communicating it and being honest with the market, right? So I think it's important just to let people be authentic at work, respecting their background, respecting where they're coming from, embracing diversity. I think that's very important. There is a caveat though about positive bias right mm -hmm. so because people say positive discrimination shouldn't yeah. allow positive bias so there's a case study of rwanda the, i think it was rwanda the the government there put in a rule that 50 percent of the mps have to be uh diverse so you know male and female and i think it, it was a short period of time afterwards that they found that over 50 percent had suddenly become female and, you know, in, in, in the governments, if you look at them worldwide, you look at somewhere like US, it's not very diverse, but it's one of the most, uh, you know, democratic places in the world. Yeah, it's not very diverse. 
So there is some truth in creating like goals and metrics and saying, hey, this is how much we need to achieve, but there has to be authentic in itself. So there are rules you can put in place, like for example, the Rooney rule. The Rooney rule can be introduced to your interview process to say that before we proceed with an offer, we need to make sure that we've interviewed at least uh, 40% of diverse profiles to, to, to make sure that we've got a full picture. You know, not the first person I hire, but actually I, I interview five people and 40% of that comes from underrepresented groups. So I've got a holistic view and actually I might find that this person is better. So that's something you can do. So I, it works for different organizations at different levels. It's not something I can say, go do. You have to assess it and deep dive into it and see if it works for you. But there are practical advices to how you can increase diversity as well. Yeah, I think that's the that's the key for a lot of organizations is taking these high-level concepts and turning them into real practical solutions. And sometimes they lack the capabilities, if not the willpower, to do that. So two of the points that you made there around, I think that a lot of the barriers to these things is an organization's attitude towards risk. Number one, hiring diverse talent, and number two, hiring for potential. And we I absolutely understand the benefits as you've described them, and I agree. Uh, there's always an organization that looks at this as a risk to reward ratio and says, well, I want someone who ticks every box in a job description because that way it mitigates risk for this role. And in actual fact, if, if you can tick every box, it's that's your reason to leave a job, right? Not your reason to get a new job. It's trying to make these stakeholders who have lots of lots of pressure, lots of high targets of themselves to, uh, to take, a, take a risk on someone, maybe break these things down into must-haves and nice-to-haves and figure out how much resources it's going to take to give them training rather than just want every single item. How do you, how do you deal with those conversations? You must have had those conversations, if, maybe if not in HelloFresh, in the past. How do you convince these more senior stakeholders that this more this kind of slightly softer way forward is the right way forward, even if it seems on paper, it's a higher risk. Put a mirror in front of them, right? So you say to them, well, what if it, what if it was you? Like, <laughs> would you go for the like-for-like -like role in, in another company? Probably not. But I think the, the, just being real with people and just saying, hey, this is not gonna work. Um, either that or you make the job, job description harder, right? And then we hire someone who's a fit, but actually they've got more responsibility. Yeah. You know, the, the reality is that most hiring managers, if you give them a piece of paper and you say to them, write down your perfect candidate, that person is probably doesn't exist. They probably themselves don't even fit 40% of that, right? Because they're just kind of listing down their problem statements and hoping someone fixes them. So having a team and having a leadership that understands that you know, a team can solve a problem as opposed to an individual can solve a problem and you can work together and training and learning and development can help that. That's key. And I think that's part of our tenants, right? One of the, the DNAs that we have as an organization is learning never stops, meaning that we're, we're willing to take a risk and say, okay, this person, because think about it, we're 10 years old. We've taken risks every month, every day, right? We grew 2x last year. There was no like uncomfortable days in that whole process, you know? We take, every time it snows and our delivery drivers can't deliver their food, there's a risk there. So we're taking risk every single day. And I think what we've become is 
you're not risk adverse. And so what you need to do as a TA function is you need to sell that story. So as a function, you need to build case studies that you can present to your leadership to say, by the way, you're a new leader and you may feel this way. However, we've gone through this discussion 10 times and look, this is this person's name and this is what they're doing. This is this person's name and this is what they're doing. Trust us, we know what we're doing. So the proof is in the pudding, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's the, the key here. Our TA functions over the next couple of years need to remember that they're still a service function to some degree and they can sell themselves and make their lives easier by recording what they've done. So just simple case studies on your achievements. It's like internal employer branding for TA. Yes. I think that's a really great point. You know, again, it's another example of taking these higher level needs and wants from the business and breaking it down to something very particular and very practical and, and useful for the business. Um, uh, we're getting kind of towards the end of our time, I think, um, but I, I'm keen from your side to get an idea of, um, well, first, one of, one of the things I'm desperate to get from the both of you is what's your favorite HelloFresh meal? Mine's a burrito bowl, but I just wanted to get an idea from the two of you, like what you must have had a lot of them. Um, what is the absolute, in your opinion, best HelloFresh meal for our listeners? I have a bowl, which is um, avocado, sweet potato, tomatoes, and halloumi, and a lot of like spices, like coriander. Mm. Anytime I see the recipe, I'll definitely order it. I love it. It's so simple to do, and it's so different from anything mm. I've ever done in my life. Never cooked anything like that in Brazil. So that's my top one recipe. For two years already, <laughs> that has been like my top recipe. Yeah, I've got three. That's the problem. <laughs> um... You know, we get 70% discount on our boxes. So I get like HelloFresh every single day for twice a day for pretty much everything. So like paying pennies for, for like a week's worth of shopping. So if you ever worry about supermarkets going up in price, join HelloFresh and you'll get a great <laughs> discount. Um, I'd say mine is there's a mushroom crumble, which is like mushroom, creme fraiche and like chicken and uh, rice. And there's also a um halloumi tacos which are really nice as well they're amazing their christmas dinner is amazing i don't know if anybody's had their christmas dinner but i had a christmas dinner recently the turkey everything it was just it blew my mind um well that's good to know um and i think you kept that 70 percent discount under your hat i think i see another plank of your employer brand there and maybe why you tripled in size and a lot <laughs> <of people. laughs> may have uh, may have got onto that fantastic well i suppose uh, a good time for any yaz and carol's final thoughts like we, we've we've discussed a lot we've gone into some sort of heavy stuff we've gone into some low-level detail overall you know thinking back on uh, HelloFresh's journey your personal journey is there any specific insight or specific thought that, or value that guides you overall um, in, let's say, your personal brand? Like, what 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 value do you have that kind of leads you forward in in your talent journey? Okay, so I have three rules that everybody knows about. I've always talked about them. You know, everything I do every decision I make has to be based on these three rules, human-shaped experiences, iteration, can it be changed, and automation, right? And I think there's no secret to talent acquisition. I think my advice to anybody in TA 
is to think about it like software development. You have your versions, version one, version two, version three, version four, version five. If you get lost in the delivery, that's where you're going to go wrong. If you just think, oh, I need to deliver 100 hires, and if that's what your claim to fame is, you're going to go wrong. What you need to do is look at, okay, how am I developing as a person? How am I developing as a team? So for us, we've, we've mapped out where we are in different functions, TA1, TA2, TA3.0, TA4.0. 4.0 is what we're trying to transition to now, which is like multiple competencies in each TA team member's role. So like the sourcer has employee branding marketing, this coordinator has candidate experience. TA 5.0 is how do we turn candidates into customers? 6.0 is hiring in 24 hours. 7.0 is what do we do with the 1 million applications that don't get selected? Do we put them on the blockchain? Do we get rid of CVs altogether? So having that two, three year plan that doesn't revolve around delivery will help your team morale. It'll help your team innovate. It'll help creativity. It'll help people grow because they can think about and adjust and innovate in a way that their roles don't have to be kind of status quo roles. So a sourcer in our team is way different to a sourcer in a, another company's team because we're not trying to do what other companies are doing. If we did that, then it would be boring. Um, so we, we're taking a lot of risk in what we're achieving, but we're doing it with data. We're doing it with careful iterations. So it's not something like people will look at, oh, you guys are doing something really risky. It's like, no, actually we're, we're being quite careful and we're, we're really doing it in a methodical way. And we're really making sure we've ticked our boxes. We're at 250% productivity. So we're already proactive. People are telling us to slow down. Yeah, I think what we're doing right now is fine. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd have nothing to do. We'd be sitting there twiddling our thumbs. So we, you know, we're at like a blessed, very, very blessed time. I think if I speak to ninety-nine percent of recruitment leaders, would love to be in my position right now. Yeah, you can see why. First of all, you should do a TED talk on that. By the way, I would absolutely put some time aside to listen to that TED talk. Um, but I, I, that, that's really, really exciting, and I think that's excellent advice, um, particularly. Um, you know, around that iterative piece, people forget that, you know, we can recruit the way our customers, our stakeholders build software, very iterative, using their language, using agile principles and lean principles and so on. It isn't just some high level people function that sits in some corporate area of the business. It's, it is very much integrated into the purpose of the business. And Carol, what about yourself? You know, is there, a, is there a set of values that you've gleaned through your time in HelloFresh and, and, and previous? Yeah, I really love Agile methodology. So I think I've read a lot of the books and applied, like it's similar to what Yasa is saying, like we apply a lot of the, the principles, but one principle from the Agile manifesto really stuck with me for years now, like 10 years, is adding value and people are always more important than documentation and processes. So I think a lot of TA functions get stuck on being an operational function because they're thinking about themselves. They're thinking about building a process that works for recruiters. They're not talking, thinking about their candidates. So I think when you shift the mindset of, you're not building an interview process, you're taking care of candidate experience and you're not filling roles. You're thinking about how you're properly staffing a business, how you're staffing teams, teams to be productive how you make sure that the people that you're bringing to the business will help everyone grow. People join teams and they stay because of the people they work with. So I think when you find a way to become a partner with the business, 
and you build solutions that work both for the people that work here already, that need the team, that are on the teams, and you build experiences for your candidates, it's much easier to make any decision. So you're not thinking about, oh, I need to have 10 stages because I am insecure about hiring someone. What does the candidate on the other side want? Right? So I think you need to put people first and then everything else you do around it, you do based on that. You define your processes, you define your documentation, you see your gaps, you see why you need training. Um, I don't know, for me, that has been like, that's what has made me grow my career, just st strategically thinking about TA in that sense. Yeah. I wanted, I forgot to add one point, and I mm -hmm. think it relates to Carol's point. I just want to add, there was a IBM manifesto from 1980s. You might have seen it going around, you know, where tools and computers cannot make people decisions because mm -hmm. a computer can't be made accountable. Mm. Right. And I think that's super important. Like, I know we're all obsessed with kind of automation. I am specifically, you know, I, I, I'm one of those people, but um, tools can't replace certain skills. Yeah. Right. And I think that's also really important. We have a tech radar, by the way. So, yeah. EA tech radar. So, anybody who wants to see what we do right now and what tools we use, they can go search for uh, HelloFresh TA Tech Radar and they can see all the tools we're doing in TA and using, adopting, trialing, put on hold. Um, so that's also just an add-on on the technology side because I know that's important right now for a lot of people. Yeah, that transparency is is uh, really refreshing as well for a lot of TA functions that tend to keep the cars close to their chest. Well, I've uh, I'm I'm exhilarated absolutely after after that chat. I really am. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time out and speaking to us. I've got a lot to think about um, and hopefully a lot of our listeners have as well. And good luck with TA 4.0, 5.0, 11.0 and beyond. I'm really excited to see um, how, how it all develops. Amazing. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Luke. It was a pleasure. Yeah.